Welcome to Ikigai Stories. I'm Sam Yushio. The goal of this podcast is to showcase people who are living with intention, working hard to align actions with priorities, and ultimately to provide a platform of inspiration for those seeking to live a life rooted in purpose. In this episode, we hear from Priyanka Raha, founder of PopSmart Kids, an education technology company on a mission to build a better world for digital natives. Technology is a powerful tool that's changing nearly every phase of life. How do parents navigate this changing landscape with children? Priyanka's philosophy is simple, mentor over monitor. She references a stat from the World Economic Forum. By the year 2022, technology will eliminate 75 million jobs. But that loss is offset by the creation of 100 and 33 million new jobs. That's a net gain of 58 million jobs, many of which will require new skills and knowledge. Now, with that type of transformation occurring over the next few years, what will the world look like a decade or two from now? And how do all of us, especially parents with young children, position them for success in the future? There's no simple answer, but digital citizenship is at the heart of the solution. We don't just toss the keys to a 16-year-old on their birthday and let them merge onto the interstate at 75 miles per hour. We take the 15-year-old on multiple test drives in a wide-open parking lot to provide guidance, groom skills, and build confidence. PopSmart Kids is equipping parents with the tools to nurture their child's ability to navigate the information highway. Priyanka's journey to PopSmart Kids lies at the intersection of a career in technology and motherhood to two young boys. Working in 10 cities on three continents with an MBA equipped her with the technical skills, but the parental experience of the black hole phenomenon prompted her move into ed tech. Seeing kids go into screens with nothing coming out inspired a quest to empower parents and children with better knowledge and tools. Finally, we discuss Priyanka's entrepreneurial journey as a parent. She recently made it to the finals pitch for Business Impact Northwest, but she didn't win. She recalls her nine-year-old son eagerly approaching when she walked into the house while still personally processing the disappointment. And rather than blow it off and say, it's okay, Priyanka turned it into a teaching lesson by pointing out that sometimes you work hard and that may not always translate immediately into success. But that doesn't mean you get disheartened. You push on. And in this lesson, Priyanka reminds all of us, especially parents, the power of embracing discomfort and failure with the growth mindset. Setbacks happen, but how do we learn from those moments? And as important, embrace the opportunity and responsibility to model a healthy perspective for future generations. Now, please enjoy this episode of Ikigai Stories with Priyanka Raha, founder of PopSmart. Priyanka. Hi, Sam. Thank you for being here. This is great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Absolutely. Uh, So can you just start off by talking about Pop Smart Kids, please? Oh, I would love to. Yes. Um, Pop Smart Kids is an ed tech company that is, we are launching a storytelling app pretty soon here um, that kids and parents can write stories together. But essentially, it's a company that is built with the mission of encouraging parents to engage in the digital experiences of their kids. 
So collectively, we can raise good global citizens in this uh, digital world. Okay, love it. Uh, as a parent, definitely love it. So can you can you talk about um, just what does uh, well, what does Pop Smart Kids in terms of the offering look like? So you mentioned the um, you know the the um, the app. The, uh, yeah. yeah. So can you just talk about what the experience looks like as a parent who's interested in helping uh, mentor rather than monitor the kids' digital Oh, I love uh, it. Experience. I'm, I'm so I took you, that from you. I took yeah, that from I, I'm you. I'm impressed that you remember. That's great. Um, yes, of course. Um, so I would say the app is an extension of the mission. The the way pop uh, the reason Pop Smart Kids was born was mostly from uh, personal pain. So I mm-hmm. have two boys, and once they started getting in independent screen time, I just started seeing what I call the black hole phenomenon. Like they would go into their tablets, into their screen time, and nothing would come back. There would be no engagement, and I call that engagement. It's not the uh, typical mobile mobile apps engagement, the criteria that is used for measuring um, like how the mobile app is doing, it's not that engagement, it's actual life engagement. There's no engagement outside of their screen time. Mm-hmm. So I started seeing that and I thought this can't be right because the world we're growing in is, or we're living in and we're raising our kids is uh, technologically, it's a, it's a world immersed in technology. Right. And it has to be, it has to be on us as parents to raise uh, kids who can actually manage their technology, not the other way around. So that's the mission that it is built around. Um, it's promoting digital citizenship. It's promoting um, promoting the idea that kids need to grow up and behave responsibly in the online world. And in order to do that, uh, I kept thinking, like, what are the ways that we can do this? So there are two two ways that we do that at Pop Smart Kids. For now, our content is what we um, send out into the world using newsletters, um, social channels, and we provide small but really helpful tactical tips. One thing that parents can practice with their kids or just practice uh, at home and their family to raise, to have a healthy digital habit. Mm -hmm. The other one is how can we extend that to actually create digital experiences that collaborate human human connection. Mm. And so we kept thinking about it and we talked to parents. We also talked to a few teachers, um, elementary school um, teachers, because we want to do this right at the time when kids are getting introduced to their digital devices. So that's how the app came into being. And we kept thinking about how can we Create a more, um, create a more creative platform. Sounds a mouthful, but how can we have a more creative platform that connects people together, especially kids and parents? Mm. Okay, so is the connection in the community built around a solely based on parent-child engagement, or is there any other? Uh, connection there is a parent to parent or parent or child to child or right now we're looking at just parent to child yeah. um, but we do want to extend this as a connection that can be done as writing workshops 
as smaller groups. So let's say there is a, and it is not just meant for parents. Mm -hmm. And we start with parents because that's where the the kids kind of start all their experiences. Yeah. Um, but it is also meant for uh, mentors. We want to extend this to the classrooms as well mm -hmm. as a as a writing tool, as a way of kind of bringing in technology in a more creative way into the classroom space, um, bringing down, sometimes bringing down those walls of the cla classroom as well. Yeah. Because it's it's on your tablet, it's something that you can practice at home. It is, it just kind of transcends um, uh, the idea of sitting in a classroom, like education being always sitting inside the four walls of the classroom. Mm. Um, yes, mm. those are all the things that we want to do. But we want to start here today where we want to connect parents and kids. Yeah. So what are some of the, the like big trends that um, just as a parent, as, as, so as a parent and technology raising digital natives, um, are, there, are there big trends that you're seeing that, that um, kind of serve as either a reinforcement of the solution or um, kind of pinpoint the problem of what Pop Smart Kids is, is setting out to, to solve. Right, of course. Um, well, there are two ways of looking at it. A kind of a really big picture is uh, the World Economic Forum, uh, they released their uh, research early this year uh, which said by 2022, uh, technology will be eliminating 75 million existing jobs. Wow. But at the same time, it's also going to be creating 133 million new jobs. Hmm. And the only way to make sure that we don't lose that train to those 133 million new jobs is to start educating kids to accept technology as part of their learning process as part of life, and that has to be done in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really the more economic or educational or learning perspective to it. The other one is the social aspect to it, right? Um, so kids eight years old and younger spend an hour each day on their mobile devices. Um, there are um, continuous, there's continuous research that's being done that says that kids who are exposed to meaningless screen time have trouble making social connections or have trouble expressing themselves. 40% um, of the adults, actually, it's not just the kids, 40% of the adults here um, look at their phones within five minutes of waking up. Hmm. It's not saying that it's good or bad. It's making sure that it is for the good and that the engagement with our technology needs to be in a healthy way, it needs to be managed by the kids, and that's the social aspect um, that's a problem in a social space that Pop Smart Kids intend to solve. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So I, the the mentoring versus monitoring. I love that when I saw that on your website, and I, I think um, my guess as a parent is the natural instinct is to monitor and have oversight, and in many cases use technology as an incentive mechanism. And so it sounds like the philosophy, your philosophy and, and what you're trying to accomplish with or what you are accomplishing with Pop Smart Kids is more about a healthy integration. So teaching the parent, empowering the child, and not 
having such a binary relationship with technology as it's saying it's in or out. Is that a fair yes, assessment? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And uh, I just would like to start by clarifying that it's a, it's a healthy balance. Yes, mm-hmm. there is monitoring. There definitely is a time and space where parents need to kind of put that... Um, put that monitoring in place and say yeah. this is this is enough for today we need to get out of the house or we need to do something that is outside of the screen time there is definitely that aspect of you cannot be looking at a screen continuously for more than 20 minutes yeah. um, there is that um, that piece definitely kids two years old and younger must not be exposed to screen time at all yeah uh, but the idea of mentoring is also like not just make sure that kids are exposed for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour but make sure like what they're doing for those 20 minutes it's more because all take time is not created equal yeah it's important to know what they're doing Uh, very very simple shows and all these things come to my mind because i have a nine-year-old and a five-year-old so my experience at home is split between my five-year-old watching wild crafts mm-hmm. and my nine-year-old <laughs> doing uh, minecraft but one of the things is turn the table around and ask them get vulnerable yourself as a parent and ask them like what they have done yeah uh, we all do as parents we all do car conversations dinner conversations and most of the time we stick to hey how was your day what did you do at school yeah. It can also be, hey, what did you watch? It's possible that for the last 30 minutes they have been watching something. Ask them, yeah. what did you watch? Oh, is that a new show you're watching? Kind of lead f- into that conversation. And it, at the end of the day, it's sometimes possible that as parents, we need that 30 minutes of time when we would probably need to take uh, take a breath, send that email or fix dinner. Right. It doesn't need to be that we have to be right next to them when they're watching, mm-hmm. but it is also inculcating those habits um, at the end of, uh, at the beginning of the school year or the beginning of the year, there is a good question to ask is, hey, you know, what do you want to learn using your tablet this year or this week or this month? Year probably is too much to set a goal for a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's, it's a lot for me. <laughs> I go by quarters, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, um, so the uh, can you talk about just the the balancing act between um, so what you're talking about right there is being more aware um, of the content that so I'm so I'm thinking about this content consumers rather than content creators and yeah. and just trying to unpack like how do we how, how do I as a parent um, work with my kids so that technology is healthy I got that's probably the simplest way to say it so there are um, so I think about it in two worlds and I'm curious about your perspective on on these two worlds so there is uh, apps. There are apps that are designed to kind of engage them and stimulate some type of something, some type of thinking. And then there are um, there's content, right? Yeah. Um, so initially, where I was thinking, uh, th- there's a t- obviously a ton of value is on the content create or the creation side, where they're 
engaged and they're stimulated and doing different things. But you're saying in addition to that, how do you get actively engaged on the the um, the content kind of the, that is the consumer consuming. side? Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah. And is the goal of that just to draw awareness for the uh, to get engaged to let the child know, but also to draw awareness for the child on what they're watching? Both. I think yeah. it's both. Um, one of them is the more you ask, the more he let him explain what he has been watching. And if there is something that comes up or something, yeah. um, if there is something that is questionable that he has been watching or something that you think it's not okay, that's the only way to know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when the kid comes back to you and explains things to you, he or she realizes, uh, they, they will realize themselves that this is not something that I probably can talk about. So. Yeah. And and it's also trust building. It's kind of building for the future. So I feel, mm-hmm. uh, and this is something that I came across very recently, and it's it's called tech shaming. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like fat shaming. Mm-hmm. So you cannot say tech is bad as uh, just as a wholesome idea of educating your kids. You cannot say tech is bad. Then, because they are going to grow up, they are going to have access to a computer, they will get their homework on a computer, there will come a time when they will not feel confident enough to come to you as a parent if they if they run into something. Hmm. Uh, it's, and you want to build that trust right now. You want to make them feel that if something happens, it's not the fault, it's not their fault. It's not that they were on tech. It's something that they did not know. Right. Uh, the hmm. uh, closest example I can think about is books. Books are great. We are always talking about reading to our kids. But then, you know, Godfather is not a good book for my (laughs) five-year-old. I would not read it to him. That does not make books bad. Right. That just makes Mm. the content of the book inappropriate for that particular age. Yeah. Um, So do you see that? So do you see tech shaming um, parent-to-parent, peer-to-peer? I do. It's funny. I was at a panel discussion at school and one of the parents asked um, if if technology is so addictive, if screen time is so addictive, why doesn't the government come up with rules and restrictions like it would do for drug addiction? That's a really wrong way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes away the power of a human being to control his own actions. Yeah. Um, so simple ways... Uh, well, I always say conversation because that's it has to start there. Yeah. And then it has to go into level two, level three. You have to set goals. E- even even if it is uh, even if it is monitoring time, it has to be things like, you know, we think like 30 minutes is a good time uh, for you to spend um, and work with your child. It cannot be like, I can only give you 30 minutes and that's it. You cannot ask why or you cannot ask. Like work with the kid to define mm. some of those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm thinking about scenarios where uh, like we've been at a restaurant and, you know, the the only way to 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 get the kid yeah, <laughs> to stay there. locked in, right, <laughs> is to pull out the iPhone and usually stream something. And I've, you know, I've been in those scenarios where... You look across the room, you look across the restaurant, and there's uh, like, like 
to somebody else, yeah. either another parent or in many cases, I think like uh, older generation looking over. So when you said tech shame, that's what I was thinking of. I was <laughs> yeah. thinking of like, oh, yeah. like I have to, uh, we, we use the phone sometimes to like get the kids yeah. just to settle in so yeah. that, you know, um, so that's where I was going with the parent to parent, like those types yeah. of scenarios. Yeah. But that probably manifests itself in terms of the relationship with the child also, right? Because then if you yeah. don't, so there's there's probably some version of of, uh, of coaching for parents on just having a healthy integration, or, uh, um, integrating technology in a healthy way um, and an understanding of that from a parent peer perspective. Right, absolutely. Uh, I think there are, there is definitely of that awareness and education that is needed, and that's kind of why I started Pop Smart Kids as well because I did um, see a lot of um, lesson plans and uh, few education programs that were meant for teachers and schools to bring in the concepts of digital citizenship, which essentially just means raising kids to be good citizens mm. in the online and the digital space. Mm. But there wasn't a lot of material out there to help parents. And the example that you gave, Sam, was just, it, it's an exact example of that always happens. And it is much more visible because it's ha it is happening in tech, but it just happens with everything that a parent does, right? I'm always looking at it. Oh, it's so cold. <laughs> I don't know how that parent is like putting on just such a thin shirt on the kid out there. It must be a really bad parent. We are always judging each other. but. When it comes to tech, it just becomes like, oh, this is different because it is technology. Yeah. Uh, and given the example that you gave, um, th there is a piece of monitoring and mentoring there, both. Uh, and I think I always talk about like that balance, but we usually forget the mentoring piece of it, which is why I want to make sure that mentoring over monitoring is something that is instilled in everybody's mind. So while eating, and this is based on research, uh, absolutely through pediatrician. While eating, if you watch something, you end up not knowing whether you have eaten more or less. Right. You just are not aware. Right. So don't do that. Right. But once the food is done, and maybe the mom and dad wants to spend the next 10 minutes drinking their espresso. Yeah. Kids cannot hold a conversation more than a few minutes. A restaurant is a really closed space with no place to play mm -hmm. um, so what if he watches something for 10 minutes yeah or plays with something on the app yeah and i'm pretty sure parents all over are aware of what their kids are playing with like when they're when the kids are really e younger yeah yeah uh, at home they have uh, all kinds of firewalls and ways to protect yeah um you know in protect invasive programs coming into their kids' tablets, all of that is there. So yeah. that's the, that's the, excuse me, that's a monitoring part of it. The mentoring is it's it's okay. Maybe he can he can watch. Maybe you catch a breath with your wife mm -hmm. and have that conversation for fifteen minutes. And then while you were done, you know you were in the car. You were all going back together, five of you. You can have that conversation and say, hey, what is it that you were watching? I, I didn't know what you were watching. What were you watching? Oh, were you playing that game? Can you show me sometime? So turn the table around, have him show that game to you. Uh, one of the things that I do at home is just, um, so my nine-year-old builds like this huge universe and worlds in his Minecraft. 
So I would ask him to do a demo, which essentially just means he sits there and he just like shows us and walks us through and explains mm. and ask him questions about why you did that. Yeah. Why, why did you build that that way? Yeah. And we have these funny conversations because if, if there's a parent out there who has take ha, has had a chance to look at Minecraft, it doesn't follow the um, rules of physics from the real world. So. So we have had those funny conversations. And you never know. We sometimes talk about gravity and everything else because those are things that does not happen in Minecraft. Not all the times. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of the mentoring part of it. That's, that's also the blending of the digital and the physical experiences. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, what I love so much about what you're doing is I think for a long time, and maybe it was just the timing of when, um, when I became a parent and when... Um, technology started to become more integrated into daily life. Um, uh, you know, for, a, for and this is my singular experience, so I can't speak to what the whole, what everyone else's experience was. But I remember in the early stages, and you already mentioned this: zero to two should be no, no screen time, right? Um, but I remember in those early stages, uh, it just seemed like. Um, technology was just demonized like if you had a screen around in front of a even like a four-year-old or even any age it seems like like at that stage it was it was just viewed in a very negative um, judgmental um, light yes and in what and it so it seems like that conversation is starting to shift. It, yeah. are, is the backbone of that of that shift based on those stats that you reference from the World Economic Forum? That you know, if we think into the future, whether it's next year or ten years or twenty years from now, I mean, technology is here to stay. Yeah. And how do we build resilience and and um, a, a, a healthier relationship with technology? I, because I can still think of some friends who. Um, if the child is around a screen, it's might as well be, uh, you know, dynamite yeah. and giving them a match. Yeah. Uh, it's <laughs> like that level of vigilance. So can you just c- kind of riff on that sure. a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are two things. Yes. One, something that you said um, is we're starting to realize like how, and I like, and you said this before, you said integrated. I like to call it integrated because most of the times I hear, you know, our lives are invaded by technology. Yeah. It's not invaded by yeah. technology. We have let it happen. And it's in our power to let it happen in a way that is healthy. Mm-hmm. You definitely don't want to go back to carriages being drawn by horses. Right. So that's technology too. Yeah. So we are moving forward. Let's move forward in a positive way. We're always thinking about all the wrong things that can happen. And it's good to be aware of those. Mm -hmm. But there are also ways that you can manage this. So yes, there is definitely that awareness that technology is just so integrated. There's no other choice. That feeling. And there are also uh, quite a bit of work that um, bigger organizations are doing. One of them is ISTE, which is International Society for Technology and Education. They have... um, digital citizenship program Hmm. there is common sense um, Mm -hmm. and parents and and I use it all the time Mm -hmm. so common sense has two different branches one is common sense media which is really great to find out 
what movies are appropriate for a five-year-old or an eight-year-old. Right. Um, so there is all of that. All of these organizations are bringing in that awareness. And there is also that piece that we are, m- we are moving into this phase where it's integrated day in and day out, our daily lives. And people are, stri- people are starting to realize that. Also, people are starting to realize. And this is something I say because stories. We have been telling stories since we have been living in caves from, from that time, mm-hmm. right? We just gather around the fire and we just tell stories. Mm. Imagine how you can tell stories today. You can take a picture on your phone right. and you can tell stories about it. And yeah, I mean, not the Instagram stories. They stay for 24 hours. Yeah. But think about like you can, you can actually print those and how easy it is to take those pictures. So that's the idea behind building that PopSmart right as well is like you can easily integrate these experiences. You have gone on a hike, you have taken pictures. Now you can just pull those pictures into your app and just write your experience about it. It's about sharing mm. these. It's about blending these experiences that you have outside of your screen time yeah. and bringing that into into the time that you spent around screen time. Yeah. Uh, so people are also realizing that mm. how easy it is to do things using technology, uh, you know, paint and paint is very primitive, but there are many other different uh, technological advances that have allowed us to make beautiful paintings, things like that. People are starting to realize that. So that's acting in the favor of integrating technology in a more healthy way. Yeah, love it, love yeah. it. Um, how about the inspiration? So. Uh, what was the inspiration for for launching Pop Smart Kids? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, short answer is my kids. But uh, if I can dive into that a little bit, is I got introduced to technology really late. Um, I am not one of those people who grew up playing games or had like their first computer at home, which they built by themselves. I went into I, I went and did my electronics engineering, and uh, during the third year of my engineering, I took a summer intern course um, at at a different university, and I learned Java. And then when I graduated, I started working for an IT consulting firm. And my introduction to technology, to me, was it opened up a lot of doors for me. It changed and. I, since then, have had this idea that technology can actually amplify a lot of the things that you can do. And that has stayed with me. Uh, There are a lot of uh, negative things about the social media. Yes, for every single thing that does good, there are aspects that it can do a lot worse. Mm -hmm. But it has also kept us connected. It has Mm -hmm. also brought people together. Um, I am connected to friends from school, which I wouldn't be considering that I moved continents, uh, moved from one continent to another. I didn't move continents, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I, I had this idea in my head, and then, like I said, when I had my uh, my older one, um, was ready to be um, ready to be, you know, exposed to screen time. Let's say. Uh, and he was watching shows, and I was okay with it. But I started talking to some of my friends, and like your experience, um, I had the same thing. Was like, oh my god, he's watching! Like, oh, are you okay with it? And I hadn't thought about it that way because inherently I was always talking to him about it. It's like, you know, what are you watching? Oh, Daniel Tiger. 
you know, PBS used to be one of his favorite, one of our favorite channels as a family to go to when my kid was around or he was watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Daniel Tiger is a great show. There's is like some really great things that they talk about. Sid the Science Kid, he was talking about all these scientific experiments that he was doing. And outside of the show, we were already talking about it. My son and I and my husband, we were all talking about it as a family. And then when I had got exposed to these conversations, that's kind of slowly turned into uh, an idea that said, this can't be right. You know, we, we, we got to do this right. Mm-hmm. These are the kids who are growing up uh, in a world that will slowly be um, a lot of the things that we do today is through technology. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's kind of the long inspiration to it. Yeah. The shorter one is, yeah, it started with my kids. Yeah, uh, so two kids. Yes. Um, nine and four? Nine and five. Nine and five. Um, so how old were the kids when you kind of had this eureka moment or this epiphany? Oh. Or probably better, well, well, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Well, it has been there for a few years, like say three, three more than three years. Yeah. But it all got really serious uh, early last year. Um, 2018 um, and I was trying to and as life can be with two kids um, I was trying to do this on the side as a side hustle and I started talking to parents I started talking to teachers and I got really drawn into this idea having having some merit to it and I wanted to see it through mm-hmm. and it seemed like I, I couldn't do justice to the idea if I tried to do it as a side hustle. So that's when I quit my job and um, I started doing this. So yeah, I don't know if I if there is this one single moment that I would call Eureka moment, but mm-hmm. it was like slowly and steadily building up and saying, yeah, you need to do this. It's a nagging feeling like, yeah, you got to do yeah. this. You have to do this. Yeah. And the more I talk to people, they're like, yeah, yeah, this you need to do this. So that's how it all came into what it is today. Yeah. Uh, so can you talk about the, 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 the leap from side hustle? How long were you doing at side hustle? And then, how, and then can you just talk about mustering the courage to go from side hustle to full-on... I would say a couple of months uh, was a a side hustle. Yeah, I wasn't able to do anything at all. Um, I got you. And uh, yeah, my now five-year-old was two then. So it was just a lot of work at home. And um, I was also working for a mid-side startup company, which also meant like I had crazy hours at work. Mm. And I loved my job. I loved what I did there. But um, I had to to make a decision. So yeah, I mean, I just really um, worked on it for a couple of months but the idea marinated in my head uh, and I, I still have that so OneNote is really my go-to place to take notes mm-hmm. so I still have like a page where I, I, I have a workbook where there are different pages which are like just ideas, things that I wanted to do things. so I would just like keep writing them down so I wouldn't forget yeah. so that has been marinating for a few months, more than definitely more than five or six months. Yeah. But really, did this as a side hustle for 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 very little. Okay. Uh, well, c- so can you kind of extend on that? How did you? What were the initial days look like? 
Well, no, more, more about when did, so at some point you decided I want to do this full time. Yeah. Like you're marinating, you're sitting yeah. on it, you're thinking about it. And but yeah. that there's a, I think a lot of people sit and marinate on a lot of ideas yeah. and just never get over the hump. So was what, what was the catalyst for you to decide to quit the nine to five and jump in? Um, so end of 2017, uh, the, the company that I worked with, um, merged with another company and uh, I was a pr- technical program manager so I kind of took uh, saw through the whole project and finished it and seemed like a good place I was also at the end of 2017 and I knew I had to quit I just did not want to start another financial year and do my accounting and taxes and all of that but anyways that's, <laughs> that's not the real reason but I definitely felt like I was in a place that I could I kind of close that chapter and start this. Um, so the f- first things really what I did, um, I still had my job was attend the Seattle Startup Week. Mm-hmm. Just kind of started from there. I um, Early 2018, by end of, uh, by, by March, I incorporated the company. Um, I started uh, running uh, surveys using just a Google form. Uh, I started using my network. One of the first things I did um, was build my network. I networked. I went to all of these events and I met people. Uh, I met people from the same industry. I met people from different industries. I met people who have done mobile apps. I met people who did things very well that I didn't do very well, like marketing. I tried to understand the whole picture of what does it take to um, start a company, build a company. And I read. Um, I read the the all the entrepreneurial books that are out there mm-hmm. um and um i wrote down the one page uh, business plan mm-hmm. um so yeah just kind of started from there yeah uh how about being an entrepreneur and a parent it's it's definitely uh challenging I'll I'll just speak from my experience. This is something this is, I this is something this is the most challenging thing that I have ever done. Mm-hmm. This is also the most rewarding thing I have ever done. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the balance. Yeah. And there are good days, there are bad days. Um there are days that you wake up and things don't go the way you want it to go. I had a really bad experience and I'm pretty sure like anyone out there a lot of people out there would have had that. I have had a bad experience with hiring. Put me back by a few months. I lost a lot of money. And uh, so those are some of the examples that will kind of push you back. Mm-hmm. But those are also the challenges that you chose. It's nobody pushed you into this. You yeah. chose. And that's what I tell myself. That this is, I chose this. And uh, yeah. it's it's difficult. There are some upsides to it as well. Um and I call this work-life harmony. I don't like to call it balance for a couple of reasons. Is because as a, as a woman growing up, there is always this lofty ideals that are uh, expected of you to have that balance, to be a good mom. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that means, but to be a good mom. And if you're working, you know, you have to show up there. You cannot make excuses that you have to leave um, at four because you have to pick up your kid or take him to his uh, after-school practices. Uh, and 
being an entrepreneur, it is a lot of work, but it also gives me the flexibility to define those hours a little mm. bit. Yeah. Uh, my working hours are probably pretty late into the night, but I also uh, have the flexibility to leave at 3.30 and go pick them up yeah. and take them to their dojo or wherever yeah. it is that they need to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So can so you wrote the piece. We talked about this before we yeah. kick things off. You wrote a, the the piece yesterday, or at, yeah. I don't know when you wrote it, but you published it yesterday. Yeah. Can you just talk about that um, a little bit? And your, I think there's such a great lesson um, embedded in that conversation that you had with your son. So can you talk about that? Because that for me resonated with me as a parent, as an entrepreneur. Um, there's different facets. Can you can you just maybe set the yeah. stage for what it was and, and why you wrote it? Absolutely, uh, for sure. Um, and thank you for reading that. It was actually a newsletter that went out to all my early adopters. So if you're listening, go onto my website and sign up for the newsletter. Uh, there's some uh, fun, real stuff that I write about um, and everything around parenting and kids and technology. Um, and the so website is? popsmartkids.com. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Um, so, um, last week, I pitched at the Business Impact Northwest finals. So, it was a long, grueling process that took three months and four rounds and led to, like, being on the, being on that stage. And there were uh, five start, startup companies and I did not win the uh, final prize, but I worked pretty hard um, in getting there, and uh, I felt good about standing there and talking about and giving that pitch. Um, so when, you know, I, I, this is something that comes from my conversations about technology with kids as well. Like I try to be as transparent as possible with my kids with the filter that, you know, that every parent does. Like they are not ready for certain conversations, so you filter those. But they have been watching me getting prepared for it. And I have been telling them, like, hey, I cannot um, have dinner with you today because I have to be here and here and I have to prepare for this and all of that. So they are, are privy to those conversations. And I let them know. So they knew that I was selected for the finals. And um, when I got home, the first thing that my nine-year-old asked was, like, uh, mom, did you win? And uh, it was it's tough because it's just something that has happened like two hours prior. And mm -hmm. as a person, I'm still dealing with the feeling of like, it didn't happen, I did not win, so how do I explain? Um, and I stayed true to the feeling. I told him I did not win. And I explained to him, like, and he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And then we talked about it a little bit and I told him like yes I felt really sad I mean there is no denying there is no spinning it like uh, oh that's fine and that's just setting him up for uh, for emotional failure I feel mm -hmm. um, so he has to grow up knowing that even though how hard you work sometimes things may not work out the way you expected them to be yeah. and success doesn't always come to you but that does not mean that you get 
like completely broken, disheartened, and just turn around and run away. Right. You can feel sad. You're allowed that. Just saying no, it's fine. I think that takes away the power of feeling sad. It's it's a it's a pretty valid emotion. So. So yeah, I just wrote about that conversation and uh, kind of what what I talk to my kid about on that newsletter. Yeah, it was a great article, uh, Thank and you. and I it really did resonate on a number of levels. And I think what you're saying right there is so powerful about just um, acknowledging the emotion, yeah, um, and kind of embracing the emotion. Yeah. Uh, I think that's important as a, a a human being as yeah. definitely as an entrepreneur because yeah. there's a lot of ebbs and flows but the fact that you use that as a as a teaching lesson yeah. for your child is so powerful because i'm sure they were along with you the journey the entire the entire way so that i i just love that yeah i think it extends to technology as well most of the times yeah. like my especially with my older one right he's getting these projects where he has to go and research Mm-hmm. And, you know, what happens when you type a few words in Google. Mm-hmm. So there has to be conversations about uh, why the Internet looks like that. Because anybody can write and just throw garbage in there. Yeah. And so we have to be careful about what we want to read. Uh, we have to be careful about what we let. And that has to happen today. You cannot wait until he's 16 or 18 and have that conversation. Yeah. So I think staying mm-hmm. true and honest in most cases will help. Yeah. 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 It's a vulnerability as a parent, right? Because yeah. I think oftentimes as a parent, the natural instinct is to, um, present, uh, that you've got all the answers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, and that everything's always going to be okay. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, that resonated and I, I applaud that. Thank I you. definitely can learn from it. Oh, that's it was for a learning sure. for myself. I, I learn from sure. them as much as, uh, <laughs> or more than they learn from me. So <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so let's shift gears a little bit. Can, so can you just talk about your, your journey uh, to this chair here today? <laughs> um, and sure. I intentionally keep these questions vague. So I'm always curious about where people are going to start when I say just start from the beginning. Um, so can you just... Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll start with a funny anecdote. Is um, I grew up in a small town in Orissa, and uh, I lived there for 18 years, and I wanted to do engineering, so there wasn't any in my town, so I moved many kilometers away. Mm-hmm. Seattle is actually the next city where I have st- stayed um, the Tenure. second longest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been here since 2001. So other than that, I have lived in 10 different cities and across uh, three countries, mm. um, three continents, yeah. But, um, yeah, what led to this is um, I, uh, I I worked for an IT consulting firm in India and that uh, uh, led me to uh, travel the world a little bit uh, on different projects, working with different companies. I lived in Philadelphia, I worked um, at uh, Edinburgh, Scotland, uh, lived in many different cities in inside India. Uh, and at some point in time, I realized, or I wanted to just go back to school and uh, get my uh, business degree. So 
started applying coming here to Purdue I, I did my MBA from Purdue mm-hmm. but coming here to Purdue was totally by chance I wasn't preparing for coming to the States to get my degree I was applying to all the colleges there in India and a friend of mine was like you you know you have worked hard to prepare just what's the harm in giving another set of exams and just applying to some colleges here so I said okay sure got selected to I didn't apply to a whole lot of colleges here just four got selected to two ended up doing it from Purdue and um, yeah moved here in 2001 here as in Seattle have been here since then Um, so this is home now Mm -hmm. Um, have two boys I met my husband when we were um, students at the engineering college so Mm. at this point we have known each other for more than half of my life. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think I shared a little bit about why I started Pop Smart Kids, and that's uh, even though I did my, um, I got my business degree, I still stayed with the tech uh, organizations um, in different companies that I worked with. Um, so I, I worked for an insurance company, but I did really work in the uh, tech development piece. I was automating workflow processes for underwriters. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's always been very fascinating to me. So, I've, yeah. So, there's a, there's a story that I tracked down somewhere. I think you had done an interview uh, or maybe there was an article out there on you. And it was talking about how, <laughs> I, I believe it was an undergraduate, uh, and there was a line, there was a f- one phone that was connected to a wall. There were no cell phones, yeah. and you had to wait in line yeah. uh, for the phone. Yeah, I think so it was the geek of the week, um, something that I had done, and probably something I was in line. St- I stood in line for. I think that was the question. Can't remember very well, but yeah, I remember the answer though. Something I had stood in line for that I probably wouldn't do ever, and that was. Um, so this is uh, an engineering college. The um, dorm rooms are or the dorm buildings are different for boys and girls mm. and um, my then boyfriend now husband we uh, had just started dating this was um, the end of second year in college and uh, we wanted to speak to each other so these this was before the cell phone so there was this one phone line that <laughs> was at the like the central hall in my in my dorm building and I just had to wait in line because there were many more before me. I was always like that. I was like, How long would line. you have to wait in line? Oh gosh. Uh, more than, more than an hour. Oh wow. Yeah. Wow. Because there is no time limit. So someone who picks <laughs> up the phone. Yeah. She would just be heckled by the, like the person next, next in line was like, okay, that's enough. You yeah. know? And then if you, if you're like behind uh, 10 people, and everybody takes 10 minutes to talk. That's it. <laughs> that's that's uh, 100 minutes. Yes. I can do that math. Yes. Um, what, uh, so, if you, so if you reflect on that time when you had to stand in line. Yeah. For 100 minutes for a 10-minute phone call. Yeah. So that was before, so you had said technology, you, you got exposed to technology yeah. in that in that engineering Yes, d- that's, program? yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, more so was it after when I when you took no, no, the job? no, no. During that engineering uh, okay. program, so it was for four years on yeah. the 
for my third year, I did an internship uh, at a different university where it was just learning about Java and just programming okay, language. Right, yeah. Right. So that's when I first got introduced to coding, writing your own programs, and that changed. Yeah. Yeah. So if you were, if you, if we anchor on that moment back then, like standing in that line waiting to talk to your boyfriend, <laughs> now husband, and where we're at today in terms of technology, yeah. and then just take that same time frame and then chunk it forward, mm-hmm. looking at what it's going to look like into the future. Um, I mean, what's, how does that uh, resonate with you? Just the advancement in technology that we've had since you were standing in that line yeah. to you know the technology that we have available today yeah and then thinking about what you're trying to accomplish with pops pop smart kids also you know just being a parent um and what their lives are going to look like over the course of that time frame however many years that looks like um what what pops up into your head quite a few things um so and there is definitely a narrative that everyone talks about in terms of parenting and kids and technology, and it's screen time. But I also add and say it's screen time and tech time, mm-hmm. like Alexa, Google Home, mm-hmm. whatever it is, like all yeah. these digital assistants yeah. that are there all around. They're not really screen time, but you're talking to them. Uh, there definitely is that healthy balance of um and this is uh, this is a three piece that I wrote uh, for Parent Map once, and there is that healthy balance of not humanizing that digital assistant a lot. You have to make a difference that Alexa or Google Home or Cortana cannot decide whether eight p.m. or nine p.m. is sleep time. It's, mm-hmm. it's your parents. Yeah. Um, there is also that you cannot yell. It's just not. It's just not the civilized behavior. So there is definitely that balance. And in terms of parenting, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Is like that, well, parenting by itself is hard. Everybody, every parent walks a tightrope. Mm-hmm. Balancing what to say, what not to say, how much is too much, whether I'm not, whether or not I'm, a, I'm doing a good job, um, whether this is the right thing to do. But I think this is something that our parents didn't have to think about, like this decisions, like how do you, teach your kids that Alexa cannot decide and I say Alexa because that's what I have at home but it doesn't matter what it is it could be Cortana how do you how do you define that I decide some of the things because I'm the parent because I have the intelligence the human intelligence and how do you explain to your kid that that's artificial intelligence it cannot decide it's always going to be a, a piece of code it's something that you write down. Mm-hmm. So you can write down in a piece of paper and say favorite color blue, favorite house, pink house, favorite food pasta, and you give it to that particular program and you ask, it will answer to you. That does not mean that it can think. It can read and generate, mm. regenerate things pretty well. Yeah. So I think explaining that, probably not to a five-year-old, but definitely like when your kid gets older, kind of making that differentiation is very, um, is crucial. And that's something that as a parent, our our previous generation didn't have to deal with. Yeah. I also think about for kids, how different this is. Uh, so we play songs on my phone. You know, it's a playlist. 
So you realize it's on LTE and it's playing music while the car is going at like 60 miles per hour. Cassettes were there. So my kids don't know anything about that. <laughs> right. And the, the song stops for a few seconds. And the, from the backseat, they're asking me, oh, what happened? Did you stop the song? It's like, no, the, there was a weak internet connection. <laughs> so I think there is that expectation too that this is how it is. So that has changed. And 10 years from now, I think it'll just go into other things. And I'm, I'm thinking of more, we talked about the social aspect a little bit, but I'm now thinking about more tactical things. Like it'll be a screen that is, and it's already there, but it's not as prevalent. Like there will be a screen in front of your fridge where you know, oh, milk is out. You can just like mm. tap or say something or define a program. There are smaller things, uh, smaller gadgets that do that. Yeah. But I think it'll be far more integrated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, self-driving cars for sure. Yeah. I think that will change a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, right uh. now, the self-driving cars, they cannot navigate traffic lights, if I have read the article correctly, but that mm. will change. So I think 10 years from now, my kids, there'll be a whole new way of getting your driver's license. You should be able to be aware of those things, which you didn't have to be 20 years ago. Right. You just have yeah. to like take a turn and do all of that. So yeah. Parallel park, you know, 30 years from now, I, like I, when I was uh, going through my uh, DMV test, I mm -hmm. had a parallel park. Right. I think 30 years from now that they'll take it away because it, 30 or 50 years from now, it wouldn't be relevant it'll be anymore. Like, it'll, it'll be an art. It'll be, yeah. It's yeah. Like Parallel you parking will, be, will yeah. be artistry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes, it's like, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. It's like, oh, have you met that guy? Yeah. He can parallel park without right. like putting it on right. auto parallel parking. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're absolutely right. So I think those are some of the tactical things. And yeah. I mean, it's exciting, but it's also yeah. about making them aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how about the so your you went from an IT, an engineering background, IT career into business school. Yeah. So can you talk about that? Was the goal to eventually be doing something entrepreneurial, or what? What was? Can you just talk about why why you made that shift? Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, there's a funny story there so I finished my engineering degree in 2002 when the IT slump happened mm. and I graduated from business school in 2008 when the financial oh. slump happened wow. so yeah I'm lucky that way as you see yeah yeah, yes. yeah. but I survived um, but anyways um, yeah so I did my engineering degree and um, although I did it in electronics I ended up going into an IT consulting firm like I said I got exposed to um, technology programming and working with computers and at some point in time so I didn't graduate with a job usually that's what happens so you have an engineering degree you like right the moment you get out of the college you have a job in hand um, it's uh, at least that's what it was in 2000 and 1999 2001 mm -hmm. but given this was uh, right after the Y2K um, um, slump it's mm -hmm. it wasn't the case and this job came through and I went with it. I started, um, even within that IT consulting job, there were a few different things. I really just um, did coding for 
a little over two years, I quickly went into doing business intelligence for Verizon. So that just meant working uh, working on creating those, uh, like analyzing that data and creating reports and charts and everything. Mm-hmm. I worked with uh, Royal Bank of Scotland uh, in creating, in working on their integrated um, uh, IT strategy while they were going through a merger. Mm. Um, so a lot of these led me to realize that there were things that I didn't know and I needed at work, mm. which I needed to go back to a classroom a classroom setting and learn. So that's what made me um, go for MBA. And in MBA, I really um, did stick to IT and strategy. Those were two uh, majors that I loved and I continued with it. So when I graduated, I did things slightly differently but stayed with the um, tech org. And I and I thought that was, I was a, like one thing led to another kind of thing, yeah. uh, not planned. Yeah. yeah. Put your, you put your uh, destiny in the hands of fate. In a way, yes, yeah, yeah. 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 But I love, um, I love challenges. So mm-hmm. it has always been like, oh, you know, like that looks good. That looks challenging. So yeah. I'm gonna take that up. And it has always been uh, like in the initial years with the IT consulting firm, I switched a lot of. Uh, I worked with a lot of vendors, different companies um, as clients. Um, Okay, cool. Uh, so let's talk about the future of Pop Smart Kids. We'll kind of close on on that um, topic. So, what what does the future hold for Pop Smart Kids? So, staying true to the mission of Pop Smart Kids being that place where um, you know, parents can find. Uh, resources that will help them engage with their kids using technology as a platform and kind of help them engage in a way that they will be able to inculcate responsible online behavior mm-hmm. for the kids. Yeah. Um, I do want to build a community around it and create lesson plans and uh, expand on the very short or little tactical tips that I provide today. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the Pop Smart Right app. I really want to build a whole community around it. Want to build um, a lot of the things that parents can do. So it's a storytelling app, but you can do a whole lot with telling stories. I want to build um, story writing sessions with it. I want parents to be able to print books with it, like stories that they have written, hmm. that vacation that they have taken. Uh, so think photo books, but it is lot more engaging than photo books because you'll have a story that will be written by you and your kid together oh, yeah. and you can print those and you can keep those um, so building on that I do see that as a learning tool as well uh, so I want to take this to the schools mm-hmm. uh, to the classrooms mm-hmm. I do want to take this to the learning centers as well so that's where I see this going um, but yeah we're just getting started Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Me too. Uh, I really enjoyed it. 